Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Are you a corporate professional who is an immigrant or a child of immigrant? Are you looking for a community of support to advance your corporate career? Immigrants Incorporate, IIC, is a nonprofit that is building a community for you. Come and join us on Facebook. The Facebook group is Immigrants Incorporate. Belong and thrive in the workplace. See you there. Hello and welcome back to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. I am so excited to kick off the first episode for this new season and a little bit about the podcast journey so far. So Thriving in Intersectionality was first launched as immigrants in the corporate workplace. So these emerged from my interviews of 50 plus immigrant women in corporate America that went into my book called Thriving in Intersectionality. And I wanted to continue those conversations that I put together as stories and insights and strategies in my book, Thriving in Intersectionality, Immigrants, Belonging, and Corporate America. So the podcast was launched and I had interviews with immigrants from different parts of the world who work in the professional space to share about their experience and their strategies that have worked and some of the challenges, some of the strengths they found in their cultural perspective. But at the end of the first season, which was initially launched as Immigrants Incorporate, I recognized that a lot of these experiences is not really just about being an immigrant professional in the workplace. It's about having multiple identity intersections, which is where the title of the book came from. And so The podcast was rebranded as Thriving in Intersectionality because I think that's the key. There's a lot of similarities around experiences of employees, corporate employees who are under the organizational umbrella, who also have multiple underrepresented identities in the workplace, right? So the communities we see, the communities that we engage in, is very helpful and and so calling out sort of what identity intersection is important for me is important but it wasn't only immigrant and so my guests are for the thriving in intersectionality podcast uh, in the spring of 2023 were really 
employee resource group, um, leaders, and advocates within the organization. Because what we realized is the people, the individuals that raised up their hands to fund these groups belong to one, two, or even three different groups that the organization has recognized as an underrepresented group that needs a little more focus and attention. So in spring of 2023, we had a lot of guests from different employee resource groups we shared what their identity intersections were in the workplace, how they are thriving in with their experiences and some of the tools and strategies that they've leveraged. So this season, we are going to be focused on, of course, corporate employees, corporate professionals with intersectional identities. But this time, we're going to focus a little bit more on leadership. And we're also going to dive in and uh, into a specific industry. So... The theme uh, is what I want to really introduce today is breaking barriers, leading in intersectionality, and industry focus on STEM. So I also like to reestablish what we mean when we talk about intersectionality. It has to do with the fusing of a cross-section of just different aspects of an individual's identity. In the context of our conversation for this podcast, we're talking about multiple underrepresented identities as it relates to the workplace. So this podcast is an inclusion inside podcast. It's a workplace podcast. And so it speaks to, it brings in the voices of professionals that work in uh, the different industries and have different career paths, but they also still all are coming in from the perspective of here yeah, all the different identity intersections um, that are very important to me and that I show up as. And there are some of the ways that I have thrived despite some of the barriers that I've come across in the workplace because of that. So STEM, I am very used to saying STEM a lot because I assume that a lot of people know what it means, but I want to also establish what that means. STEM is the industry we're going to be focused on, and it is really very representative. Um, it's a way to niche down on the conversation, highlighting an industry, which of course I am a part of uh, because of my background, but it's also an industry that the statistics around diversity and inclusion and just um, employment and career paths, there's less than average uh, diversity in the STEM industry. So what is STEM? STEM is actually an abbreviation that stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And um, some other spaces, it's called STEAM. Art is included. But for the purpose of this uh, conversation, we focus on using the term STEM and also uh, the roles that are involved. So myself, my name is Lola Deemo. I'm the founder and CEO of EQI Mindset. EQI is from Equity and Inclusion Mindset. And I work primarily with organizations that want to build inclusive communities for their employees. So I run workshops, I deliver talks, keynotes and breakout sections and workshops. I also have a passion for immigrant inclusion in the workplace uh, from my story, my experience and, and, and insights. And I run a career coaching program for immigrant professionals. Um, which includes one-on-one group programs and activities, inclusive communities, and a lot of stuff. So if this is something that um, you are really interested in, how I would love to connect. 
but why STEM? Why focus on STEM? So there's a lot of statistics and data that I'm going to reference. And if you want to look them up and really dive into, I'm just going to highlight some of the key points that will help our conversation today. But these research from these um, sources are actually in-depth, provides a lot more in-depth insights into what is going on. So if you look at the theory of labor, there's a lot of job predi predictions around STEM. So STEM roles are just going to be on the increase. If we think about the big industries like, you know, the tech tech giants and even social social media tech, right? Everything is being driven by technology and AI. And so there's not going to be a shortage of roles that are tied to uh, sciences because of innovation and healthcare is on the increase, right? Healthcare jobs, there's going to be like... Uh, pharmaceutical development, there's a lot of innovation around pharmaceuticals and drug discoveries. There's a lot of software engineering related roles that are also going to be on the increase. And then there is manufacturing jobs, right? There's a lot of increase in the roles. Um, over 800,000 STEM job openings uh, are showing up, are going to come up in the next five to six years for STEM professionals, right? And even the Department of Education, there's a lot of investments that is going into addressing this issue, this talent shortage for STEM jobs from the young age to make sure that the pipeline, we are pushing more people into STEM role. Uh, but the issue is that just pushing more people is, <laughs> is not even just all. It's pushing more diversity. Because when we talk about STEM professionals, we're talking about people that go into healthcare. We're talking about people that go into uh, developing new technologies. We're talking about more women, more people of color, for example. We're talking about more people with disabilities because all of these would impact the kind of products we are getting, right? We're talking about products that would impact and change the life of people downstream. We want to make sure that the people that are coming in to provide an input the people that are coming in to develop, to do the research, to get these products on the shelf, that they are representative of the target audience, right? So it is really important in the STEM industry to have diversity, um, being uh, diverse talent, being encouraged from young age, from as young as you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, through all the stages. Um, so Department of Education has a lot of information about, there's a huge investment, there's, um, there's been a, a recent investment of over 500,000 that was pumped into like the STEM education for, for young kids. And the Department of Labor also talks about the, the job predictions and all of the openings that happen. Now, as an immigrant myself, one of the research sources that I also follow closely is called the Pew Research Institute, if you want to look that up. They also do a lot of research around immigrants, foreign-born workers, types of visa, and there is a lot of STEM visas. Um, as an immigrant who came to the U.S. on a STEM visa myself, there is, there is an advantage to being able to get, you know, you are interested in sciences, you have a science background and education and work experience, and you're able to get a specific visa to study uh, a STEM subject, you know. For me, I, I studied biochemistry at a master's level in grad school, and, um, and that pushed me into a career in the U.S. Um, after I graduated in uh, biotechnology. And so that's the industry that I stayed in primarily for um, the duration of my 
corporate employment. And, and so the reason I share that is, okay, so this is another metric, right? It shows that the U.S. program, the U.S. STEM programs are really um, highly valued. So the, the programs in the U.S. are worldwide, right, in a competitive space as far as attracting people. So we have a lot of students coming in. We have a lot of people coming in through a student visa in the STEM space. And part of the restriction with a STEM visa is you have to work in the STEM space. But there is not, still, we don't have enough talent going into the workplace to fill those roles. And we're still going to need more. We're, we're still going to need a bigger push for the talent pipeline in STEM. But here is the point. We're doing all this work around building this pipeline, uh, which is very important. We need to get people, catch them early. Um, people who don't look like the typical scientists and engineers, get people that is very representative of the uh, population, right, to get into this field, and that's great. But entry does not necessarily mean growth. So that's a completely different thing and, and also a key part of why for this podcast season, I want to talk about leadership in intersectionality, right? So we have a lot of people who come in for these programs and then they finish the STEM programs and then they can't find a job for things that are completely unrelated to their skills and qualifications, right? We have people like immigrants or people who have um, visible disability or a limiting disability in the recruiting process that are trying to find jobs. So even though they are skilled, they are ready to fill these roles because of something in the process, in the hiring and recruiting and attracting process, they can't get in. So these jobs remain unfilled. And uh, the, the longer the roles remain unfilled, you know, it, it's costing companies, of course, but there's also the economic impact of unemployment for those that are educated and skilled and want to work and can work, they can do the job, but they just can't get in, right? So there's a pipeline problem there and, and just attraction problem. And then there's also the fact that what happens after we hire people with diverse skills and background? The narrowing is even further amplified when it gets to advancement in the workplace. How are we moving from entry points to leadership roles? So we know that pyramid um, it gets even more obvious when you get into the STEM industry. There is very less diversity. Uh, the leading roles within STEM organizations and so that's what we want to address there. So less diversity in leadership. What are some ways that we can improve the pipeline, but also provide the tools, resources, and strategies so that minorities, multiple intersectional identities, individuals that come into the workplace through this very tight talent pipeline that we are infusing funds in to get them into the workplace how are we making sure that they stay? And they don't just stay, but they stay and they are thriving and they are growing and they are also fueling the pipeline again and going back to be voices uh, for others that are coming on. So what happens beyond getting in? How did they do it? What can I leverage? If you're early to mid-career professional in the STEM space or in another highly competitive industry, I mean, uh, I feel like STEM is just very representative of just the tightness that is um, operating in the pipeline, right? So 
for early to mid-career professionals, what happens between getting in? I want to highlight three different points, right? For a hiring manager, for a leader, if you are a leader in an organization, what are some of the things that causes these barriers to growth for people with from underrepresented groups, right? Social capital, right? Because a lot of times they, the, the channels through which you're hiring, through which you're recruiting, through which you're sourcing talent is not as diverse as you might think because it's natural that we reach out to the channels that we've always used. So part of the, you know, the takeaway that I hope you you get from this is to broaden the lens through which you source talent, right? Um, part of the Immigrants in Corporate Initiative is a resume database that is going to be available for a lot of diverse talent. And I know a lot of resources around that as well to make sure that employers, how are you, how are you looking outside? How are you sharing and posting your jobs? What are the spaces you are looking into? And how are you mixing it up? It's not because we did it this way 10 years ago, five years ago, we have to keep doing it. Um, you know, how are we looking at our last year data and making any change that we need to make as far as our recruiting channels? Um, and how are we creating access to those that maybe might not be in our network, right? What kind of spaces are we going to host career fairs? What kind of uh, information are we putting out there so that people that don't necessarily look like what our organization currently looks like so that they are aware of our roles, right? You, your organization might not be as diverse as you want it to be. And so being transparent about that, uh, but also providing access to individuals that are outside of the uh, dominant uh, gender, ethnic group as your organization. And then more advocacy and attraction, right? So you want to expand, you want to be in a position to expand social capital, but you also want to be, get involved with more communities and organizations that are involved in advocacy and that can support and amplify your attraction effort. Um, and the goal ultimately as a leader, as a business leader, as a people manager is to bridge that gap for your employees and for your candidates so that there is more validation and belonging for them at your organization. This is where trust begins to happen. This is where they know that this organization is interested in promoting me, in developing me. And so now that I feel comfortable, now that I trust that there's a place for me here, how can I help? I can go above and beyond, but I need to know that I'm also taken care of. So those three points also can be flipped to share with if you are in your early to mid career stage. Um, looking for ways to get that validation and belonging. Representation matters. Some of the guests that are on this uh, podcast or that uh, will be bringing on on this podcast have multiple minority intersections. And a key part of why I ask people to share that is you never know who would resonate with you. And also you've been intentional to find the circle that is missing for you. Right. If a huge part of your identity is your cultural background, if you are a first gen, how are you putting yourself into spaces where you can connect with other first gen professionals who inspire you because they know what perspective you have, because they know what background, what barriers and maybe what strengths you have. They can also support you in understanding ways that you can leverage all of you in the places that you work. So validation and belonging is really important. So find the circles, find the spaces that are encourage you to be authentically you. And, and sometimes we focus on 
um, just the organization we currently work in. You need to look outside. If you need to look at external professional organization, if you need to leverage social media and existing groups, um, plug into the places where you can be encouraged based on what you need. And then your social capital, again, this is where um, a huge part of the isolation and the lack of growth and the lack of advancement that minorities and underrepresented groups face in the workplace uh, is because you don't necessarily have that social capital, right? You don't have a lot of people that look like you in your background, or you don't have a lot of people that look like you in your background in your role. So it sort of looks like it's still representation. I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel validated here, but I also don't know enough people to know what I don't know, right? So, and that kind of feeds social, building your social capital is an intentional effort. It takes really going out there, putting yourself out there, attending programs and events where you're just, sometimes even just to listen and to make one or two connections. And building your social capital can happen in a lot of ways. Um, it can be through, you know, you attending a summit or or connecting or reaching out in within a group where you have similar folks to talk about some of the um, experiences and the stories that you have to share, to ask questions, put yourself out there within groups and ask questions. And there are groups that you can ask questions anonymously and also get insights from the people that have lived experience similar to you, right? Storytelling is very powerful. Um, and, and so, again, look for spaces where you can build that validation and belonging. Look for social capital. And all of this feeds into more advocacy and attraction, right? The more you feel your voice heard, the more you are expanding your social circle, the more you can also use your voice to be the representation for somebody else that is coming down the pipeline, right? And then you can help attract if you are one of the few black women at your organization and you're there and you speak up and you share about the struggles or, or maybe some of the challenges that you're facing that others, that the majority group at your organization might not be aware of, because you spoke up, because you shared, changes can be made. And then you can pull somebody else in um, that might otherwise not have had that opportunity. So when we feel validated when we get to belonging at our organizations and it's a process right it, it's a process we need to give ourselves um be patient with ourselves give ourselves time to get to that stage you, you can advocate when you still feel unheard so make sure that um you work on yourself you take care of yourself and then as you intentionally build your social capital um also leverage the skills and the lessons that you are learning share your stories share your insights and strategies so uh, the focus of this this season of this podcast i my guest i have a great lineup of guests and some of them are going to share their experience you know similar to me i started with a biochemistry degree and and came into the workplace in corporate america as an immigrant uh, a woman and then a black woman in, in the workplace, I didn't see a lot of people that fit that criteria, especially in the uh, biotech industry where I worked. And, and a lot of the companies that I, the, the companies that I worked in were global organizations with just a widespread employee population. So I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me, but being able to advance, advance to leadership role, despite all of that, what are some of the experiences and the stories that I have? Um, I share that, but I also want to bring people who will, you know, maybe have different inter uh, identity intersections from mine 
and we'll be able to share what are their identity intersections, what does their career path look like, and then they will share some of the stories, um, some of the stories, insights, strategies that worked for them on their path. You know, not not we don't all have the same identity intersections. We also will not need to leverage the same tools. But listening to these, um, asking the right questions, meeting the right people, you will find what works for you. And this is how we push to advance so that we don't just get in and, and feel stuck and feel like we're not growing and feel frustrated. We want to get minorities from underrepresented groups into professional roles, doing what they love, enjoying what they love, and then getting promoted every single season. So um, I hope some of these areas have, you know, begun to be obvious as we have this conversation. Um, but also if you have more questions, if there are specific topics that you are looking to hear about, um, stay connected. We have a group, Belong and Thrive in the Workplace on Facebook. We have a group on LinkedIn as well. If you are plugged into employer resource groups, um, there is a space for you across different companies and we can support you to find a space within your organization so reach out um, stay connected stay plugged in uh, follow share review this podcast and see you on the next episode Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website, www.thrivinginintersectionality.com. And join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.